Hey, good morning, family. Uh, my name is Rick. If you haven't met me, um, if you haven't met me, I'd love to meet you. So come talk to me after service. Actually, um, we're having lunch uh, at my house after second service. So if you haven't come to one of those Connect lunches, I'd love to have you. So come talk. I'll give you the address and we'll hang out. Um, we are in this series, Summer Psalm series, and we're looking at this, at this simple phrase, taste and see the Lord is good. And uh, the reason that we exist, we want to be about um, not behavior modification, not trying to like twist people's arms, but by simply just inviting them to taste of the goodness of God. Um, I don't know if I want to do this because I don't want to profile you. Um, it, does anybody, who loves creme brulee? Do you guys like creme brulee? Some, I know some people just are like on that ridiculous end and don't like that, but I, I, I tried not to remember who. Uh, I love creme brulee, right? And um, there's that crunchy thing at the top. I was trying to get some and, and I was going to put them here and I was going to take a bite and then I thought, you know what? That would just be, yeah, cruel to those of you that love creme brulee. So, but nobody's ever had to like convince me to take the next bite, Right? Think about maybe, if, if you don't like creme brulee, think about like the best dessert you've ever had <laughs> or maybe the best bite of a steak you've ever had, the best taste of wine you've ever had. Nobody had to like twist your arm and go, okay, now what you have to do is eat it again. You have to, you know, and, and you have to eat it again. And uh, man, I, what, what we wanna be about here is just painting a picture of the goodness of God in such a way that like, drives us to take a bite because I, I know that, that the scripture is true that as we take a bite and taste his goodness, we'll just be drawn into taking another one. You know, I get emails sometimes and, and people say, hey, you should talk to, about how, what, what we shouldn't do, what people shouldn't do more and more and more. And part of me is just like, no, I think we just talk about what we should do. That will keep us like driving, driving into to the goodness of God and, and kind of keeping us busy doing the things we're supposed to do, too busy to kind of do the things we're not supposed to do. Um, oh, yeah. We'll go to this slide. Uh, I was driving here on uh, Wednesday morning, try, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this phrase in, in detail a little bit later, but I was trying to kind of formulate some words, like how do I say that in a way that actually is maybe a little meaningful or, and maybe a little memorable, and how, how do I say it correctly in a way? And so kind of had this concept in my, in my head and, and uh, really just came really clear as I was driving here early Wednesday morning. We can thank God in the good and trust him in the difficult. And it's like, I don't know if you guys do this, but I like text myself. So I like hear I think those things in my head. I'm like, oh, and then the, the text of voice to text gets everything wrong. And so then I have to like interpret the next day. Like, what was that? But this one in particular came to me Wednesday morning about 3.45 I'm driving here. We, we pray early on Wednesday mornings. And I rolled in at four in the morning on Wednesday and uh, we have a little courtyard that's kind of, like a, kind of like a sunken courtyard to our basement, kind of a walkout part of our basement. And as my lights kind of came across the courtyard, it looked a little shiny. It had rained really hard that, the night before. And I, that, that, I thought about that for just a second and then I thought about that more as I opened up the office door and looked and saw that the basement was flooded. So I walked down the steps and walked through the cafe and 
open up those doors to the courtyard. What used to be the courtyard, what at that point was a swimming pool, um, about two and a half feet deep in water. And um, like, oh, close the door. I felt like I was in a sinking ship. Like I grabbed the door and closed it. Water stopped coming in. I'm like, oh, good. Um, then walked around and realized that mud had, had flooded the place where sump pumps work. And um, so then I'm walking across the thing, trying to find our sump pump thing, trying to get the thing. So I'm, I'm in that moment, standing there in that moment. And you know what comes to my mind? We can thank God in the good and trust him in the difficult. And um, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to like try and taste and see that you are good. And I, as I mentioned, we had some people coming to pray. We pray on Wednesday mornings and uh, pray for all the prayer requests that you guys uh, write on Sunday and some other stuff that we pray for always. And so I'm like, man, going back and forth, should, we, should I just text everybody and say, hey, we're, we have some stuff going on. Maybe we should just pray from home or maybe we'll just take today off or whatever. Uh, and in that moment, I'm standing really knee deep in water in the, in the courtyard, trying to go back, back and forth in my head about what we're supposed to do. And I remember the verse, my verse of the day, the, the day before was this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Don't be intimidated. I memorized this one. Um, it, it just says this, pray continually. That's the entire verse. So if, if you ever you know, wanna memorize a verse, that's the one to memorize right there. Um, and, and really, that's, that, that was the verse, the, my verse of the day, the day before. I've been thinking through, thinking through, thinking through. So I'm standing there knee-deep in water going, what else could we be doing right now but praying? So uh, we came in and prayed. Um, we pumped the water out. There's dehumidifiers downstairs, all kinds of equipment downstairs. We're gonna, it's it's going to be fine. We're going to get through it. It's, um, it smelled really bad in here, by the way, Thursday night and Friday. And it was like one of those things like, oh, maybe we do, we're doing outside service in August. We thought maybe we'll do the outside service tomorrow, but it's, it's great. So today we're going to talk about actually this thing that we can taste and see the Lord is good. And that doesn't mean that, that everything in our life is easy or marvelous or magnificent, but we can thank him in the good and we can trust him for the difficult and like I said, man, when, when we tasted the goodness of God, nobody has to tell you to take another bite. Nobody has to, has to twist your arm to take another bite. And, and so we're gonna taste the goodness of God today together. Uh, we're gonna press into what that actually looks like and what it, what it means to, to, to taste. Isn't, I love the... Well, I'll talk about it later. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to open up the scripture. We're going to read for ourselves uh, what, what the scripture says. There's a couple of comments I want to make as we on our way from, through Psalm 34 to that verse, and then we'll figure out what it looks like to taste and see the Lord is good. So, God, we just want to taste you. Thanks for your goodness. Thanks that, that, uh, that we don't have to be about guilt or manipulation, behavior modification, uh, judgmentalness. Judgmentalism, but we can just be about um, opening people's eyes and ears and mouths to your goodness. Thanks, Lord. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you open up to Psalm 34. Psalm, uh, as we've said, is kind of right in the middle. 34 is, you know, the 34th one in there. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, grab one that's right around you. Um, We looked at Psalm 40 last week, so if you remember where that was, it's just a few pages past that. So, 
Psalm 34. This says this, of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. So that's an interesting historical note. David was, um, was a shepherd. He was anointed king of Israel. Um, he was anointed king of Israel while there was a, already a king of Israel. And uh, that caused lots of problems. He was... Um, David was known as a man after God's own heart. He was also a murderer, an adulterer. Um, this particular story, he was running from the king. That was, you know, because if you're a king and you hear that there's another anointed king, there's going to be some issues there. So Saul is chasing David all over. He goes, David runs to his enemies to try and hide with his enemies, decides that's not a good idea, barely escapes with his life. Then he writes this, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. We sang some of these words today. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. I I just want to comment real quick. That is the beauty of community and the beauty of church is that generally we're in one of these places or the other. We're in the other, I will glory in the Lord or we're in the place of the afflicted, right? I I think there's this great call for community, this great call to be together as a family, to go, oh man, you know what, sometimes things are going great in my life, and sometimes things aren't going great in my life, and and the ways that, that God works is kind of through community, and like, oh, when I'm down, I can hear someone else, and that will encourage me. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, David says of himself, this poor man called and the Lord heard him. This call comes from a place of our recognizing our poverty to do anything on our own. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. And then here's our verse. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And I mentioned before, I love the fact that God says, hey, test me by tasting me. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to hide anything about who I am from you. If, if you want to know, just taste. And I, I think... Sometimes we start rationalizing verses like this and, we, and, and, and there's a kind of a thread of theology. I'm not sure if it's theology or just kind of practice in, in Christianity that says, oh, you know what? That means heaven. Because we know that this earth is full of difficulty and darkness and we just kind of hold our breath and we have to be around all these stinky kind of sinful people in this stinky kind of sinful world and we'll just kind of hold our breath and, and grit our teeth and get through and then we'll get to heaven and we'll experience the goodness of God finally because I wasn't one of them, I was one of us. I love that David says in Psalm 27 to kind of clarify that. He just says, I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This this promise of goodness, this promise where God says, hey, taste and see that he is good, isn't a promise for some future hour. It isn't a promise for some time when we die and go to heaven. Isn't isn't it a time when finally all these these things, all these difficulties in life will be cleaned up? It It is a call for right here and right now that we can experience the goodness of the Lord regardless of our circumstances. 
Now, um, I just want to make this statement, and then we're going to dig into it a little bit, maybe to explain it more. God is the author of everything good and the shaper of everything difficult. So everything good, every, every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from above. So God is the author of everything good. And he is the shaper of everything difficult. Here's, here's what, that, what that looks like. I, sometimes you read passages, sometimes I read passages of scripture, and it feels like the whole story of scripture is saying this, you know, is going kind of this way. God pursuing himself a bride in love with passion and, and tenacity. And then I'll read a verse that kind of like seems to stick out this way. Like, wait, how does... How does all I know about the entirety of scripture and about who God is kind of flow this way, but this one verse kind of sticks it this way. And sometimes I read those verses and I'll just be honest. Sometimes I go, uh, I'll just skip that one. I'll just, I'm not sure how that fits, but I'll just skip that one. And uh, I'll, I'll read like John 3.16 or something. That'll kind of get me right back in the groove. And, and this is one of those passages, and I'm gonna read it from a couple different versions. There's this verse in Isaiah 45 that seems to kind of shift this way a bit. And it just says this. I form, God's talking, I form the light and create the darkness. I bring prosperity and create. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, the King James Version says it a little bit different, um, but we're, and we're gonna look at it. I form the light, it says in the KJV. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace. That word peace is shalom. That, that, that means wholeness. Um, like, thing, I, I put things the way they're supposed to be. I create peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. And it just seems like that, that verse is just like, how can a good God create both wholeness and, and evil? And so I decided to stop being lazy, stop just skipping verses that, you know, uh, that day that, that I didn't like or didn't like fit what I was thinking about God. And so I just began to dig into that a little bit. And, and, and what I want you to know is that, that where it says, I make peace, that word make means uh, like I offer this. I, 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 I take nothing. I, I create this. I make this. It's kind of creation like we know it, like I was the author of this. I started this. I thought about this, and I made this. It's not the same word, though, um, when it says, I create evil. It's a different word. It's, it's this word that means um, to shape, like to take something, like the Bible says, God says, I am the potter, you are the clay. Like he takes something and he shapes it. So let's go back and look at this, this thing again. Uh, God is the author of everything good. And he is the shaper of everything difficult. Like the things that are difficult in our lives, the pain that we, that we walk through, the difficulty that we walk through, it's not because God sits on his throne and goes, you know what, I, I, I want to have that guy hit, you know, I want that drunk driver to hit that single mom. I think that's a good idea. That, that, that's not it. God didn't create that. But God can shape the difficulty that we go through in a way that brings good from it. There's this famous verse, kind of says the same thing as Romans 8.28. It just says this, and we know that all things 
God works for the good of those who love him, who will be called according to his purpose. It kind of says that same thing. God takes all things, both good and bad, and works them somehow together to, for our good somehow. There's uh, the New American Standard Version uh, says this, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And I think sometimes what happens is, is we take that verse and we put a period in there. We, we say, and we know that God causes all things, period. And, and I think there's a, there's a thread of theology or understanding around God that just says, hey, he creates all things. He does all things. He causes all things. And so when difficult things happen, when we get bad diagnoses or, or when something happens, some pain happens, some difficult relational thing happens, we, we tend to just blame God. I can't tell you how many, how many friends I have are just angry at God because there's just a fundamental misunderstanding of, of who he is, of his goodness. God is the author of everything good and he is the shaper of everything difficult. And this gets back to this. I was like, how do I say that in, in this way that is, is more than just a statement, but, but like maybe something that we can hold on to? And that's when I came up with like, we can thank God in the good and we can trust him in the difficult. So as I'm standing, you know, three feet deep, knee deep in water going, okay, here's what we can do. We can thank God in the good and we can trust him in the difficult. I don't know what good, how God is gonna shape this thing um, this, this flood, this, this damage, this, this stuff, this, this inconvenience to my schedule, and we just go on and on and on and on and on, right? Um, to shape it, to, to do good, but I trust that he can. And we see it all over scripture. God can be trusted. You, you read the life of Jesus and you know what's true about Jesus? Jesus never made anyone's life worse. As simple as that is, it's a huge statement, right? Jesus never made anyone's life worse. He, he never took a clean person and gave them leprosy. He never took a person that couldn't that could speak and said, oh, now you can't speak. He never took a, a live person and made them dead. But over and over and over, he did the opposite thing. One of his friends, Peter, maybe knew that better than anybody. Uh, he, wrote, he wrote a couple of books that are, that are kind of at the end of the Bible. And, and one, of the, one of the books, First Peter chapter 2, he says this. Like new babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Look what he says. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. He referred, Peter, I think, is referring back to, to this statement in Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. And Peter's like, I tasted that and you can taste it too. And every invitation of Jesus is an invitation to taste and see that he is good. And we see it in Peter's life. We'll just, we'll just take Peter as an example. In Luke chapter five, Peter has his first interaction with, with Jesus. And Jesus, Peter's a fisherman hanging out um, after a hard day fishing, kind of cleaning his nets. And Jesus steps into his boat and says, hey, will you put out a little from shore? 
you know what Peter said? Yeah. So he puts out a little from shore and Jesus teaches the crowd and then he tells Peter, hey, toss your, toss your nets on the other side of the boat. One of my favorites, <laughs> one of my favorite statements from scripture, Peter says, uh, because you said so, I will. So he tosses his nets on the other side of the, of the boat and he catches so much fish that the scripture says that he had to start calling his, friend, call, calling his other boats like, there's too much goodness here for me to handle on my own. I, I need some other people to kind of handle some of this goodness. And then the Bible says the, that he comes to shore. He has this interaction with Jesus. Just a couple little things, man. The invitation of Jesus, every invitation of Jesus, every, every time he invites us to a conversation, Every, every time he invites us to a new step of generosity, every time he invites us to meet him in scripture, every single invitation is an invitation for us to taste and see. And just like Peter, we'll, we'll witness that. And just like Peter, like when we taste his goodness, it's too big for us. It, it begins to kind of spill out to everybody around us kind of get into this thing of like, oh my gosh, this, this goodness is too big for me. And then trusting his goodness leads to repentance in Peter's life. Repentance is this word that just means that my life was going this way and now it's going this way. This is what happens. So, so Peter catches all these fish. He dives off his boat, runs to shore, falls down in front of Jesus. And here's what it says in Luke 5, 8. That next slide, right there. When Simon Peter saw this, all the fish, all the goodness, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Jesus didn't bring up his sin, did you notice? <laughs> Jesus didn't, didn't say, hey, um, you have to clean this up. You have to clean this up. You have to clean this up to experience my goodness. It was the goodness of Jesus that led him to just see that and go to his knees and say, oh my gosh, I'm a sinful man. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter two, verse four. It just says this. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, the forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness that is intended to lead us to repentance If responding to the invitation of Jesus is the way that we taste and see, and, and when we taste and see, we experience the goodness of God in such a way that just overwhelms us, that, that draws other in, that others in, and that leads us to repentance, um, then the question is like, is like this. What's Jesus inviting you to? What is Jesus inviting you into? Maybe one of the most important questions you can ask. And, and maybe asking God is the most important person you can ask about that. I, I would just encourage you maybe over this next week to do a couple things. Number one, just ask God, man, what are you inviting me into? 
What are you inviting me into? And, and actually then take some time to stop and be silent and listen. And be aware of, of the words that he's speaking to you. Maybe the faces that come to mind, maybe pictures that come to mind and start just keeping track and realizing that, that prayer isn't a one-way conversation. It's a two-way conversation. God, what are you inviting me into? And then just trusting as we say yes, that we will taste the goodness of God in a way that will just draw us to take another bite and another bite and another bite and another bite. Do you bow your heads so we could pray together? God, I'm just gonna ask that for, for this family that's here gathered, that, that you would be really clear with us as a family what our next step is what you are inviting us into. And then God asked that, that the, your Holy Spirit would work and, and that there'd be times during this week that, that you would just whisper, here's your chance. We take, take a second and ask what I'm inviting you into. That you would, you would open our ears to hear that invitation, that you would open our eyes to see that invitation, and as we do, Lord, you would open our mouths to taste you. Thanks that that tasting brings satisfaction. And ask that we would experience that in ways that overwhelm us this week, in ways that will <laughs> that literally other people get drawn into and experience your goodness. not because we have to or out of some sense of guilt or obligation, but because we really have tasted your goodness and we can't get enough of it. Thanks, God. We love you. Amen.